welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thanks, Brian, for being a guest on my podcast. Happy to be here. So my guest today is Brian Gardner, and um, you're on staff, um, a pastor at White Flag Church, and you're... um, position. It's more administrative or directing. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I'm the executive director. Okay. And um, it's a pretty impressive building and uh, like, it looks like a a bigger church here. Yeah. 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 I appreciate that. Yeah. We, um, we have about attendance of about 1200 on the weekends at our three services. We have a service on Thursday night, two on Sunday morning. Um, and we've grown a lot over the last 15 years. That's why we're building a, a new building to accommodate, to accommodate that growth and try to reach more people in our community. Okay. Well, what's your background then? It, I think I asked you before and it's kind of, so you're trained as a pastor, right? Not really actually. Okay. Yeah. So I, my, my professional background, I come up through through higher education. I worked for 15 years at Maryville University in, in the student life division. So I, I really come up through through student affairs. But my I've got an undergraduate degree in marketing and a graduate degree in business and MBA. And my experience really at at Maryville was in building uh, and growing. We we were the university was growing like crazy in my time there. And so I had a lot of experience of, of developing new programs and, and building teams and leading teams to, to accommodate that. So um, more of a, a lot of administrative, you know, business acumen type of roles in, in that experience. I also have a lot of experience in nonprofit work, aside from obviously working for a university, but um, nonprofit boards of directors, things like that, that gave me a lot of uh, helpful experience for the role that I'm doing now for the church as the executive director. But that that's kind of professionally. Personally, I, I've been a part of the church for uh, it's been, I think, about 17 years now. And, uh, was you mean just a part of this church? A part of this church, okay. yeah, um, for about 17 years and, and just was an active member, engaged member in various ways. I was uh, a part of the elder team prior to joining staff, so was familiar with kind of the leadership of, mm-hmm. the, uh, of the church itself. So, And then how long have you been on staff then? It'll be five years in like two weeks. So okay. this is my five-year anniversary this month. And then, um, and then you were an elder bef- before that? Correct, yeah. And is the elder, is that like a pastoring position, or is it more administrative and directing also? Yeah, so, so the elders, our elder team, they are who run the church. They're, they're the leadership of the church, I should say. They oversee the, the, um, the health of the church. They oversee the direction of the church. Um, so really, you know, we, the way we explain it to people all the time is Jesus is the head of our church. He, he's the absolute leader of our church. The elders report to Jesus, and then the staff report to the lead pastor, who is one of the elders. Okay. And then as far as getting involved with Christianity and beginning with that, was that when you, 17 years ago, when you, or was that before? Uh, it was a little bit before that. So I, I was raised Catholic here in St. Louis and, um, you know, just, I, I was raised in, in a family that, that taught about God and taught about Catholicism. And so I was definitely exposed to, um, I was exposed to religion, and my parents and my family did a great job of of giving me the access to to explore that as I wanted to. But um, you know, we weren't we weren't devout Catholics. We didn't go all the time, that sort of thing. And so I, I kind of always knew that there. I, I felt this longing for more all the time. Didn't really know what that meant. I remember in high school and even in, in early college. You know, when we would set goals and they they teach us how to set goals and we'd have to set professional goals and school goals and personal goals. One of the personal goals I would always set was to figure out, you know, this God thing a little bit more. I just didn't know what that meant. And uh, yeah. and through our, our involvement at the time in Catholicism, I, I wasn't finding that through there. So I get to college and I just was exposed to... Um, some, some, I was exposed to 
people who were involved in a ministry called, at the time, it was called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, it's, it's now just called Crew. And they were, you know, that's, that's an evangelical Christian organization, and they were actively involved in, in things that seemed a lot more uh, engaging than what I was ex- exposed to, than what I had experienced. And so as I started to explore more about that, that's when I learned about not just about the reli- a religion experience, like what Catholicism had offered, but rather a um, a relationship. And so I was taught what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, in college, my sophomore year of college, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior and had been have been walking with him ever since then. That's been 22 years now, I think, um, roughly speaking. So um, yeah, it's been 22 years on that hmm. journey. And it's been awesome. So it's been through Campus Crusade for Christ, right. or crew, as yeah. they're referred yeah. to now. Yeah. I still like calling them Campus Crusade, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I know a guy who's on staff there, Tim, something or another here in the St. Louis area. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, so you found something in them. I mean, they were, you know, their version of Christianity that you were looking for that you didn't, weren't finding in Roman Catholicism. Right. And um, well, what were, what was it? Um, so you, you said like a personal relationship with Jesus. Right. Um, so how was that, you know, what were you, what was really making an impact on you about this new way of, you know, having a relationship with God and knowing Jesus personally and, yeah. and stuff like that? Um, you know, I saw in them a level of active engagement that they enjoyed. So, my experience was was that we we did things that we were supposed to do out of mm-hmm. out of whether it be obedience or obligation or expectation, um, and and the things that I you know when I say we we did things it was there was a, there's a system that we have to adhere to, and 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 that's going to lead to this these these practices that we have to follow and, and without a whole lot of understanding without a whole lot and, and it seemed like outside of that there wasn't an avenue for further exploration there wasn't an avenue uh you know it, it'd be like meeting you know it'd be like being married to your wife and and only being told here are the five things that you have to do and as long as you do those five things you're fine but it's not going to be any more than that and there's no real avenue to figure out what more to that to develop that relationship. And then I get to college and I interact with these folks, and and they had a, a life about them. They had a, a a spirit about them, a joy about them. They 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 didn't go to church out of obligation. They went out of out of joy and excitement and anticipation. They they were actively learning. They were reading their Bible on on their own. Um, and, and I didn't even, I didn't even know how to read a Bible. I didn't, you know, I had one, it was sitting on a shelf collecting dust, but I didn't really know why anybody would want to read it. I had never been encouraged to or anything like that. So, um, so that's really what I saw was this, this, this passion, this excitement, this energy, this drive, like what you would have with your spouse Hmm. when you're developing a relationship, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially, and for me at that time, it was all the excitement of, of dating, you know, it, it's, you, you don't, you don't, when you, when you meet the person who becomes your wife someday and you start dating, you have all that excitement of developing that relationship. You don't say, what are the things I have to do? Mm-hmm. Otherwise she's going to be mad at me. What are the things I have? To, no, you, you can't stop thinking about her. You can't stop wanting to spend time with her. You can't stop wanting to learn more about her. You know, today you can go on social media and try to find everything you can about her or whatever. When I met my wife, we didn't have that yet. So I still had to do it the old fashioned way. But, um, that's what, that's what I saw as these friends of mine were pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ was that Mm -hmm. they were, they were, they were exploring it in that kind of a way. And that was that was exciting and intriguing to me. Well, what gives you confidence that it's all for real? Like not just 
something attractive and that we people get caught up in and a movement and all of that, but that this is really who God is and really how we know him and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, my, my life verse is second Corinthians four eighteen. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Cause what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. That's kind of been that this, this, summary of the faith experience for me. Um, meaning the answer to your question is a lot of the unseen things. And I, I can't, my faith would, would explain to me that, that there just are things that have to only be true because of God, you know, just creation itself, you know, the, the human body, the human experience, the, 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 our ability to, um, to, to heal our ability to feel our ability, all of those things, they can't happen by mistake. It just, it just logically doesn't make sense. You know, by, by, by some happenstance thing, this perfect system was created, this perfect you know, world that allows us to live off of the things that are generated out of the world to then produce the sustenance that we need. The, the air that we breathe just happens to have been perfectly formed around this marble that floats through the sky. It just, none of that computes for me beyond a creator. So that's kind of, you know, that's a little bit deeper level of, of one of the, the, the facets for me that, that just makes sense. But I think about God's word is just so clear about the path to a relationship with him, how, what the experience of that relationship is and what it looks like. And I believe that God's word is trustworthy and, and reliable just because again, it, it, it's, it can't be a mistake that the Bible has been so, has stood the test of time, is so relevant now, is so alive now, even thousands of years after it was written. So, um, and then, you know, the, the last thing is just my own lived experience of the unexplainable that if I explain in any way other than God just doesn't make sense. And, you know, just lots of everything from, you know my journey to to this to this church and to this job my my um the way that that he's using me and my family to change the the generational trajectory of of my family tree um you know the these types of things that just when i when i see it i just there's no other way to explain what could be happening. And then to know that all of that's validated, my, my personal life experience is validated in scripture. I don't have to, I don't have to proof text my life. I don't have to go to the to scripture and say, Oh yeah, this, this scripture proves that what, no, what I'm saying is my life is a living, breathing example of what scripture says is true with a relationship with Jesus and so when you put all of those pieces together, it, there's no other way to explain it. I understand that for people whose eyes haven't been opened, that doesn't make sense. You know, they're going to want to poke any number of holes in that, which is where that, that verse I said at the beginning comes into play, is that at some point in time, in the same way that you, know, you, you had the faith to believe that that seat was going to hold you up when when you sat in it, because that's how every chair that you've ever sat in has performed. You don't know for sure until you do it. And that's, that's to me, that's part of the faith experience. Good answer. Um, you're right. Yeah. Like a, a skeptic, you know, he could poke holes or she could, you know, but it's still a good answer and it makes sense to me. Um, well, how would you put for someone like the way in, um, someone who, um, didn't, um, is not experiencing this, but what's the way to explore or to, um, you know, take a step in and 
see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, there are there are myriad ways that 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 question could be answered because of how dynamic our God really is. Um, it could be as simple as grab a Bible and start reading, you know, and let let the let the word come to life. Um, and you know, there's so many, there's free apps. There's, you know, stop by the church. We'll give you one. You know, it's that it's, it's that simple. Um, I know that that's, you know, that it doesn't always work that way that easily. So the, the shameless plug that I would say is come check out white flag. I say shameless plug because, uh, you know, obviously, of course, yeah, that's that's his job. He's got to encourage people to attend the church. I think the best answer to that question, though, is through community, is is mm-hmm. through other people. You know, I, I think about my own experience. I was drawn to a different experience because of what I saw. I, I saw a group of students, a group of friends at college, and I said, something's different about them. And I like what I see. It seems like something that would be good for me. What is it? What what makes them stand out? What makes them function differently than what I'm seeing other students do? And, and it wasn't just as simple as, yes, it was true. They weren't drinking and partying like other college students were. But it wasn't, it, it, you could tell there was more to that, you, you know. And so then I started to explore what that is. So in the same way, you could come to, a service here at white flag and say, what, why, why do these folks function differently than what I think I've seen them function before? You know, why, why do I see them, you know, especially in our area for a lot of people, they either have no church background at all, or their only church experience might be a Catholic mass or, or something that is, is going to be different than what they would experience with us. And, and it's not about the experience being different in my opinion, although I think, we provide a top-notch experience, but, but to me, it's about the people experiencing it being different. You know, if you were to come in and see our service and it'd be the first time you, you see a service like ours, sure. It's going to be, you're going to see different style of music or different style of preaching or, you know, whatever it might be. But if you came in and just kind of paid attention to the people around, you'd see, they're here to do something that I've never experienced. They're, they're here for a reason that I've never experienced. What is that? What, what has these people coming here and, and serving the way that they serve? What, why are they all so friendly? Why are they all so happy? Why are they, you know, I'm used to being dragged out of bed to go to church or being forced to go to church or coming to church out of obligation or, or, or guilt or whatever. These folks, it seems like they can't wait to get here. They don't want to leave. And they love, from the moment they park to the moment they get back in their car, they're very happy for that whole time that they're here. Why is that? And, and I'll tell you, as proud, of, as proud of what we do as I am, it's not us. It, it's not my staff. It's not our volunteers. We're, we're just, we're the, we're the, we're the tools that God's using to provide what really it is. I'm very proud of what we do on a weekly basis. We provide a tr- tremendous experience, but we could do all of that. And, and if, and if it was absent of the Holy spirit, it wouldn't, it wouldn't deliver the way that it does because this building is filled with the Holy spirit on a regular basis. That's what people are experiencing when they come. That's what makes them say, what is actually different about the, and so, therefore, the the easy answer would be just come check us out one week, one day. Come come on Thursday night. Come on Sunday morning. Visit a service. Check it out, and let that be the start of a, of an exploration of a journey to see what you might get out of it. Hmm. So, what? Um, why? <clears throat> you know, is there that experience with God, with the the Holy Spirit? Um. So what, um, like if you, you know, if you can go into some other church that doesn't have the top-notch experience and 
could you experience you know the Holy Spirit there just the, the same? If so, um, but would you everywhere you go? If if so, or if you know what makes the difference about whether you know like if a group of Christians are gathering together and um, you know they they want to have an experience with God. What make you know what promotes that or? Uh, yeah, I mean the 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 short answer is the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the absent of the Holy Spirit, you're 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 not doing anything. You're going through the motions. You're 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 pursuing religion, which is not what we're meant to pursue. Religion's a man-made thing. You know, religion is religion is a system that is created so that our limited human minds that need a checkbox approach to things can check things off and say, okay, I, I did what I was supposed to do. Um, but that's, you know, that, that would be, imagine equating marriage to a religion. You know, if you took a religious approach to marriage, you wouldn't have a strong marriage. That's, in fact, that's why a lot of marriages do fail is because they, well, I, I did everything you asked me to do. Well, that's, that's, that's not what I asked you to do. I asked you to love me. I, I asked you to, to, to love me faithfully, unconditionally, in sickness and in health until death, death do us part. That's not religion, you know. And, and in the same way, when... When the Holy Spirit is the driving force, not religion or systems, then that can be created. And so can that happen? Does that happen at other places on a Sunday morning here in Oakville? Of course it does. I assume it does. I hope it does. Because the thing about our God and the thing about his creation is that it's it's more dynamic than we're, we're ever going to be able to explain fully. I mean, think about it. We're still discovering things about the human body, you know, mm-hmm. something that was created however long ago, right? Um, because it's it's because that's how powerful creation is, and so if if creation is that dynamic imagine how dynamic the creator who created that is right Mm -hmm. and so because of that we have a scenario where the holy spirit is able to provide unique experiences to unique people you know we're the way we do church is not going to be the best way for everybody and that and that's fine you know, if 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 you if you experience God and ex- if you can worship better through traditional hymns than more contemporary worship music, then then that's what you should do. And there's a church for that somewhere. That as long as they are honoring God, staying true to His Word, and and preaching truth, then. Go to that church and let the Holy Spirit move within it. Um, where, where this is a tangent to the actual question that you asked, but where I think that the pitfall to that, the the potential risk to that is when for the people, and, and unfortunately we see it all the time, for the people who are me focused. <clears throat> excuse me. They they. They're doing that because they're looking for what they want. That's not what church is about. That's not what the gathering is about. If you look at scripture, if you look in the book of Acts when the church was being founded, why it was being founded, believers were coming together to worship. They weren't coming together to to reach other believers. They weren't coming together to to feed their needs. These are things that people like to say now. Oh, that church didn't... I wasn't being fed at that church. You're not supposed to be fed. This is a place to come and offer. Offer what? Worship. 
How do you worship? We worship through song. We worship through communion. We worship through the study of God's word. So as long as that's what you're pursuing and you want, and you're wired a certain way where, where clearly the Holy Spirit's leading you to a church that'll provide that for, then, then that's what you do. Unfortunately, like I said, I think too many people, oh, that, that, that church isn't feeding me, so I need to go somewhere else. You're not going to find it at the next church either, because that's not what we're supposed to be pursuing. Again, that's a that's a tangent to the question, but but where it's more, you're kind of referring to more of a consumer mentality, right. um, where you just come and absorb, and you're not really being a part of the the gathering where you're being ministered to, but you're also, you know, serving others and yeah. that type of thing. I guess. Yeah, church isn't meant for consumption. It's meant for for you're meant to offer. You're meant to come and offer worship, not come and consume any number of things that people are coming to church for consuming. So just the whole matter of worship, like when I think of the New Testament, I think of the church gathering, but I like the word worship is not used a whole lot in the the letter the letters, you know, the Paul's letters. Like he talks about he does talk about some of the things that we do, like singing psalms and hymns and so forth and uh and praying meeting together to pray and um to be taught and to teach but um the word worship i mean it's used in the gospel accounts because people were literally in front of jesus and they would bow down and get on their face before him so it's used something then it's used in revelation because you got the scene in heaven you know so everyone's kind of but um I don't know, like, um, I've just have thought about that before. Like, we have the word worship, and we use it a lot as in, like, how was worship, the worship band, um, the worship, you know, did you go to worship, you know. And it's like, we use it quite a bit more than it seems like it's uh, used in the New Testament. Like, we've kind of taken it and really majored on that word. Like, when we come together... Um, like we are, um, are we, to, you know, is that like the main thing when we come together or uh, of course it's to, in everything we're wanting to honor our God and, um, we come together so that, um, we're loving each other and people and we're bearing witness we're being a light in the world and so forth. But I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about <laughs> that? I guess I don't understand exactly what you're. I I, yeah. I I agree that we have conflated. You know, for most people, they equate the word worship to the music portion of a service. Mm-hmm. When in reality, every everything we do, you know, we we talk about all the time. Even from a from a tithing standpoint, that's an act of worship. You're you're doing that to honor God mm-hmm. with your finances in the way that he calls you to through his word. Right. So, um, you, you know, we're, we're teaching, we've got, a we've got two kids who will be in middle school, middle school next year, eighth grader and a sixth grader. And, you know, one of our prayers at the end of the day, we, we pray when we put them to bed and, and, um, you know, one of the standard ways that we pray is that, that, you know, give us a restful night of sleep so that we can honor you with our very best tomorrow, no matter what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And and some days that's a little bit more specific. Our, my, our daughter's at a soccer camp as we speak, you know, and so God, you know, give her the energy, give her the opportunity to honor you. You know, our goal isn't for her to be a soccer star. It'd be great if, if, if God uses that. Mm-hmm. as her platform. But if we grow and raise a, a soccer star, we have failed. If we raise a strong Christian who plays soccer, then then we have succeeded. Meaning if she worships God, if she uses soccer as an opportunity to worship in the grand, in the, you know, now I have to be careful with that because there's lots of people who will say, oh, you know, the, the lake is my church and and I'm gonna be at the lake and I'm gonna fish and I'm gonna worship God while I'm fishing. You know, that that's not what I'm that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that 
I hope that she'll worship through soccer someday, and that'll be her excuse to never be a part of the local church. I'm saying that if she doesn't understand that that she's been given talents to play soccer as a potential way to reach people, as a potential way to draw glory and honor to God, as a potential way to point people to a relationship with Jesus, then then that's when we have have potentially failed. So, um, so I, yeah, I don't know if I fully understand the you know the the question that you're asking, other than to say whether it's our word worship now or not. I think what we see in the New Testament is instruction on everything you do should be centered around honoring God. Yeah. It's almost like another way of um, stating Jesus's command to love the Lord with all of your heart and so forth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, um, just a couple things. Um, well, what's your your favorite way to? Um, interact and enjoy uh, Christian fellowship and so forth? Um, is it um, through a big gathering? Is it just one one coffee? Is it um, in a service project? Is it, you know, what's the most satisfying way for you to enjoy um, just the, the body of Christ um, together and so forth? Yeah, that's... Um... That's interesting, uh, an interesting question because that's part of the, uh, you know, growing experience, uh, the, the maturing experience that I've come to understand more about myself. When I was younger, the answer to that question would have been to be around as many people as possible all the time. Hmm. You, you know, I, I'm I'm an extrovert, hmm. okay. you know, by definition, and I'm still an extrovert, but my energy doesn't come from big groups anymore. It comes from um, very, very connected, smaller groups. Like, like I'm energized mm-hmm. by people, but it's my people, you know, not just mm-hmm. people in general, mm-hmm. <laughs> big people. Yeah. Um, so the answer to your question is when I get to have kind of one-on-one coffee discipleship conversations, whether I'm the discipler or the disciple E. That's that's what fuels me the most. I enjoy getting to um, one-on-one pour into or be poured into with Scripture as the foundation to see. Because that, that's where, when, when you do that, when you realize that um, there really is an answer for everything in Scripture, whether overtly or, or less overtly, then that's when that journey really comes to life for somebody. And I find that happening for me um, more in those kinds of one-on-one over a cup of coffee type of setting than anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I'm blessed to be a part of a church that has such strong biblical teaching that there is something about sitting um, in our worship center on a, on a Sunday morning and, and hearing uh, an anointed message from, from God. Um, and I, I've grown a ton through that preaching and, you know, I've been here for 17 years, but under sitting under one pat, the, our current lead pastor for 15 of those 17 years. Um, so there is definitely something to be said about that, but I'll take a one-on-one coffee with somebody where we're diving into life and scripture any day. Yeah. Is there any kind of um, format that's been helpful for you for that, like being uh, discipled or discipling, or or is it pretty just loose and you know just however you might get together or schedule things? And um, <clears throat> if I'm starting a new discipleship relationship with somebody, I almost always start with the Book of Philemon. Hmm. It's it's short mm-hmm. and it's packed with meat. Um, it's a good launching pad that gives a great foundation for a conversation 
for a long term conversation, but it but it doesn't take so long. It's short enough that we you know it. I can usually work through it in a couple of initial meetings with somebody. Um, the other the other thing I love about that book is is there's a there's a Greek word in there koinonia um, that is not well translated into English. So you're better off just learning what that word means. And it, it you know, it's loosely translated into English. It, it means this, this community based on something important. So it's hmm. stronger than just the word community because we have community just because we both live in, you know, South St. Louis suburbs, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's community. Um, this is a community that's centered around something powerful, specifically God. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great foundation upon which to build the discipleship relationship and, and set a good standard of, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to get together on a, I'm fine with it being as regularly as somebody, the, the, the uh, a guy that I'm, that I meet with now about once every five or six weeks, we remember that we should schedule something. So it's okay. not, it's not a, but we see each other every week. He's a part of the church and mm -hmm. our wives are very close and our, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, so there's a level of we're living life together, but we don't, it, it's never a burden of, oh yeah, you know, the first Tuesday of every month and hmm. no matter what, you know, no, when, when the cadence is right, you know, he's in a season of travel right now. So he's been out of town for work. He's out of town for family vacations, that sort of thing. We'll get together and we'll spend two hours over coffee and mm -hmm. get caught up and dive into scripture or not, you know, we'll unpack things that are happening or not. Well, you know, there's no real agenda to it because there's just this cadence of doing life together. Yeah. How does it get initiated? Like, do you just say, hey, let's get together for a cup of coffee? Or is it more of like, I'm looking for someone to disciple me, or I'm looking for someone who needs discipled, and you kind of be real intentional in that way? Yeah, I mean, you know, the answer is both, um, but the the easy answer is both. The, the reality is it's usually more of the the former version, you know, that mm -hmm. you said the we just kind of start doing it and, you know, um, which I think is a miss. So, you know, I, that's why I feel like every question you've asked me, I give you a longer answer than what you asked for. But this is a podcast. Isn't that how it works? Yeah. Um, I think it happens. Um accidentally most often, hmm. but I think it should, if we were smart, it would happen intentionally and it would happen by being wise enough and humble enough to go and ask somebody to do it. Mm -hmm. um, don't wait to be asked. I think, I think there's lots of, especially guys, you know, we're prideful, we're, you know, mm -hmm. whatever we, we there, I think there's lots of guys who walk in and out of this building every weekend and just say, man, I, I, hopefully this is the weekend that somebody, you know, and they might even know who they wish it would be, would come up and say, can I mentor you? <laughs> you know, can I mm -hmm. disciple you? Can I pour into you? And it just doesn't, you know, that's how often does that happen? Almost never. Um, but how great would it be if we were wise enough and humble enough to say, you know, Hey, I see something in you that I want. You're, you're, you've walked more miles than me. You know, your kids are, the next stage of life or, or you, you know, they're gone and whatever, like I trust you. I respect you. Can we, can we enter into this kind of a relationship, you know, hmm. because I think everybody should have it. You know, mm -hmm. we, we have an expectation here on our staff that, that everybody is mentoring and being mentored, you mm -hmm. know, that they're discipling and being discipled. Um, and, and especially when you're 
on a church staff, you have to be a little bit more intentional about being discipled because it's a lot easier to, to suddenly find yourself without somebody who's, who's willing and able to pour into you, you know? Yeah, right. So in my circles, there's, um, sometimes, um, Church growth, you know, is kind of looked at in kind of a cynical way, you know, um, and uh, and you're kind of like that's really your focus and what you do, you know, um, growing things and growing the church. So, what are your are is there any concerns that you think of when you think about it, or um, I don't know, just what are your thoughts about when it comes to just church growth and yeah. the things we do for it and so forth? Um, I, yeah, we we agree. Um, church growth has become the focal point for too many churches. Um, we, we are actually in the process as we speak. Um, we, we've been doing it for, for a few years now. Um, we're, we're in the more aggressive vocal stage, I suppose, um, of deconstructing the, the attractional model, the, the seeker sensitive Mm. model of the last 20 plus years that was really born out of this, this desire to, to grow. Um, if you look at the... New Testament church, if you look at the Acts church, they grew exponentially. Um, you know, there's there's a few different times where numbers are specifically mentioned, but they they grew by believers gathering together to worship God and being so different than the world that they were living in that people looked at them and said, Why are they so different? What do they have that I don't have, and how do I get it? Mm-hmm. They didn't um, champion that they were for the community and that they were for everything and that they were going to be known what they were for and not what they were against and that they were going to water down the message on the on a, a, a Sunday service so that a seeker wouldn't leave offended um, they didn't, you know, do the easy, you know, uh, it's free t-shirt weekend. So everybody come and get your t-shirt and oh, by the way, while you're here, we hope you'll, you know, please, please stay. That's not what they did. And, um, and that's, you know, we, we on, on a spectrum of, you know, totally non-seeker friendly to totally seeker obsessed. We, we weren't totally seeker obsessed. Um, but we did have to, you know, right now we are, uh, you know, as we sit here, it's June. And, and so we're about halfway through the year, which is a, a year long journey through the book of Mark. Um, you know, it's easier to, or the playbook, I should say, I don't know that it's easier, but the playbook would be you do a series on marriage and people are struggling with their marriage all over the community and they're going to see the church as this beacon to fix their marriage. And so then they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to be attracted to the church because of this marriage series. And then they'll stay and they'll stay as long as you keep feeding them on their felt needs. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happening where where we've started to over the last and, and really it's been probably six or seven years now for us um, in totality, but is is we've started to realize that the world's going crazy, like crazier than it's ever. I know every generation says the world's going crazy, but but we're seeing, you know, once in a lifetime changes in our culture. Hmm. And part of why we're seeing that is because it isn't as clear anymore about who's on what side and who's on the other. Meaning 
it used to be clear that that those outside the church were on one side of an argument and those inside the church were on the other side of the argument. Well, now we don't know for sure that everybody in the church on a Sunday morning, any church, not, not just ours, mm-hmm. agrees on basic biblical principles that politicians have turned into political matters, but they're not political matters. They're they're matters of morality. They're matter they're matters of, of of, you, you know, ethics that are very clear in scripture. And we we start to look around and say, you know, we're starting to enter the foxhole here for battle. We thought that everybody who who was here every weekend would be going into that foxhole with us. But I don't think they are. I don't, th- I don't think they're, I don't, whether, you know, there's some folks who just don't want the persecution that's going to come from the world. And then there's other folks that say, well, now, wait a minute. I, I know you're telling me what scripture says about that, but that can't be true. Not if God is so loving. Right. And, all of that is born out of this attractional model. That wasn't that wasn't true in the church 30, 40 years ago, but it's been true in the church for the last 10, 20 years. What also has been true in the church for the last 20 years is that the focus has been on church growth, mm-hmm. not on disciple making. And so that's the deconstruction, reconstruction journey we're on <laughs> is away from... Any you know the, an attractional model focus and towards a completely disciple development disciple making focus, disciple making disciples who make disciples. Um, that doesn't mean we're not trying to. I mean we've we've baptized, um, gosh, I'm sixty eight people I think so far this year. Like we're we're still trying to reach people. Mm-hmm. We still want to be a welcoming experience. For new people, we we've grown, you know. It, yes, that's part of my job. I track the numbers. I'm uh, I like spreadsheets. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we are up year over year. We're up about fourteen percent, fifteen percent in in our attendance. Um. So yeah, we still want to grow. We're building a new a new building that's got a bigger worship center, so we can grow. But we're going to grow by developing. We're we're going to grow through multiplication versus addition. The attractional model adds people. Mm-hmm. The disciple model multiplies people. Hmm. You know, when when Jesus would 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 preach throughout scripture, he he drew large crowds and they would add to their numbers through some of those experiences, of course. And that, that was, that, that made the, the church in, in air quotes at the time, you know, the church hadn't been formed yet, but mm-hmm. that made the, the body of believers grew through that. But when did it go from this growing movement in a specific area in a region to a worldwide phenomenon when he sent out the disciples two by two and had them multiply. Hmm. Um, that's what, so we're going to see the growth, but it's going to be through discipleship development and multiplication, not addition that comes from a church growth focused attractional model. Okay. Yeah. Good. Well, um, Here's a couple things to jot it down that it, you know, to finally get to some things I was thinking about asking you. <laughs> um, how would you put it in a nutshell as far as what is the church's message or what is the message of Christianity in a nutshell? Love God and love others. Okay. Well, how is that different than like, would that be different than like uh, Islam? They... Um, they would purport the same thing, wouldn't they? To love God and love others. Um, I'm not an expert on yeah. Islam. I'm not um, either. <laughs> or maybe, uh, what about a Jewish person? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I, the the question comes in on who is the, who is the God when you say love God, mm-hmm. and what does it mean to love others when you say love others? Um, anything that is not directly from Scripture, based on Jesus, is not the way. It's not going to work. Um, and so that's where, you know, something like Islam would break down. That's where something like Judaism would break down. Um, you, you know, you, you asked me, what is the simple? Yeah. You know, so I gave you, I gave right. you that obviously. You gave be, us Jesus's answer. Because that's what Jesus's answer <laughs> yeah. was. Right. Right. The, well, when asked what the most important commandments were, I think. Right. right. But the foundation upon that, the foundation of that though, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because I, I would say, you know, the, the foundation upon which that needs to be built is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, just kind of thinking personally of your own life, um, what if you learned, you seem like a pretty practical person, like what if you learned about... Um, just a life, a Christian life, or just life in general, about just doing life well. Anything that has really made an impact on your life, um, you know, that you've been able to acquire now, you know it, you didn't before, and that really makes a difference in just living in a good way? Um, I, I think. For me, it really, I mean, the very first thing that popped in my head as you were asking that is, is the, the real power of prayer. Hmm. Um, you know, I have traditionally struggled with prayer because I'm a practical person. I can sit here and have probably a longer conversation with you than what you even anticipated you would have with someone. Um, and and I struggle that that's harder for me to do when I can't hear the audible voice of God coming back to me. But the reality is, I see and feel and experience the answer to the. If if I if I'm being honest, if I'm really assessing it, I know. I just had a moment yesterday walking in in the construction site over there, and I I said to my assistant Kim, I said, well, that's an answer to prayer. And, you know, she kind of gave me the look and I, it was a weird thing. I said, this, this is something I spent the whole weekend praying. My anxiety was high all weekend long over this one particular topic. And, and I, I was, I finally took it to God in prayer in different ways. And then he just gave me this sweet little morsel of relief this afternoon that I needed, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I have grown in my maturity, some of its age, you know, some of its life experience, um, to understand just how true that really is. And, and step one, step two, then having the maturity and the wisdom to actually apply that by saying, okay, I'm anxious about this. I'm worried. I'm thinking, I'm wondering, I'm what. I'm going to pray about it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, in your life, um, what are the things that really um, cause stress? You know, what are the stressors in your life? And then I was going to ask, what are the things you find really satisfying, like really enriching and so forth? But start with the stressors. Um. Anybody who knows me at all right now knows that the the, the building project is yeah. is the stressor. Um, but but honestly, I you know that's the obvious answer. Um, but th- through the power of the Holy Spirit alone, like this is not me at all because I I'm not wired this way. But I would say over the last ten plus years. 
the Holy Spirit has given me this ability to just, I, I don't stress that much about things. Um, there are moments of stress over, over the building project, for example, and moments of frustration. But I, thankfully, again, through no power of my own, that, that doesn't uh, just, we'll figure it out. We'll move on. You know, a, a per, I think a perspective that, that helps, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I've got a great marriage. I've got terrific kids. Uh, you know, I, we're, we are blessed beyond reasonability <laughs> in, in reality. Um, so aside from, but, but I do have a big job, you know, I, it's 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 a big job driven by a, a an even bigger calling and with that is the double edged sword of if if this is a calling then what am i worried about but also i want i want to honor god with my very very best and mm-hmm. so that's going to lead to stressors at times so the relief i love going to the movies oh, do you? i love now, unfortunately, there's like just not many great options out there right now. But if I can like eat a bucket of popcorn and watch a movie, then I'm I'm in a happy place right there. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, um, what is this? Is kind of like a, just to wrap things up and so forth. But what is God doing in your life right now? Like, how's how do you sense that he's just personally growing you or uh, directing you or just, you know, what's going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, for me right now, the biggest thing is just this season of having a almost 14 year old. He'll be 14 in July and, um, and an 11 year old, you know, two middle schoolers. Um, he, where the journey that I'm on right now is on what it looks like to disciple my kids. Um, and so, you know, he's had to reveal to me things in his word that, that I need to be better about knowing. Cause you, you have to be able to answer questions that an 11 year old girl might ask or a 14 year old boy might ask, you know, um, they're both walking with the Lord. They both, they both, you know, have a relationship with Jesus. And so that's why I say it's about discipleship. And so, um, as a part of that process though, he's having to refine in me, um, you know, what, what do I, what do I really know and believe and think? And, you know, so whether it be his word come to life, this is part of back to the prayer answer earlier, um, prayer coming through and really just what it means, you know, to partner with my wife in a whole different way. You know, yeah, we, we've been partners in the journey of raising our kids all along, but we're just, we're in a different season of that now. So, um, so that, that's, I've spent a lot of time in my younger days and early in our marriage and stuff, just being busy, you know, providing for my family. Um, and now you you get to that point in your career where you're still busy, but you have a little bit more space uh, and things are, you know, we're just in a different season. And so I have to be more intentional. You know, we're, we're in that phase now where our son is, constantly trying to go hang out with his buddies and that's a good thing you know but we just have to be a little bit more intentional um because we're not driven always by just a calendar of busyness um and so uh that figuring out what that looks like is probably the biggest thing that god's doing with us right now well thanks brian is there anything else um like i don't know if you blog or if you have any thing if you have a social media presence or anything, but anything you want to leave us off with, you know, for people who might want to connect with you. Yeah. I'm a very unexciting person. (laughs) I, I I practically, I have, uh, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter that I don't even look at anymore (laughs) to be quite honest. Um, I would just extend an invite 
to white flag, mm-hmm. you know, come, come and check us out Thursday at seven o'clock Sunday at nine or ten forty-five. Um, if, if you are not connected, if you're listening to this and, and you're not connected to a good church, um, come and check us out and see, introduce yourself to me. You'll, you'll see me in the lobby. I'd be happy to meet you. Um, but I'd rather connect with you in the lobby of our building on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night than I would on mm-hmm. Instagram. So, all right. White flag in Oakville. It's in, Oakville, right? Yep. Yep. Right. right on telegraph right before you get to Arnold. Okay. All right. Well, thanks Brian. Appreciate Thank you. the conversation. Thank you. Mm-hmm.